You might have a mom, she might be the bomb But ain't nobody got a mom like mine Her love's till the end, she's my best friend Ain't nobody got a mom like mine Welcome to Teaching My Mother ABA where we put a unique spin on teaching ABA by using pop cultural references and real life stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the shit show we call life. So today our pop culture reference. Okay, I picked one, but I am going to let Britt. Don't steal it. No, I want I'm to not my going own. to steal it. I came up with a different okay. one. So our topic, okay. um, our... <laughs> Don't panic. Our topic is caregiver support and how that works. So we really are focused on parenting. And plus, I mean, we all know I'm still carrying this like um, massive hurt from Brit giving me a book about how to be a good mom, which I'm sure is going to come out in some passive aggressive way after I've had a few Bloody Marys or something. But just so we know. Into the middle of the street. That's what's yeah, happen. just so you know, that's where this is coming from. But my <laughs> my quote is, "Why don't kids understand their nap is not for them; it's for us." What about bedtime? And bedtime is for yeah, it's <laughs> for sure. Okay, and what quote did you find, Britt? Okay, so I found one of uh, Ray Romano, and I think. <laughs> This one makes me laugh so hard because one, I have two boys and two, they throw up all the time. Like, I don't even know how that is possible, but they do. <laughs> so uh, Ray Romano says, having children's like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps. Everything's broken. And there's a lot of throwing up. So that kind of encompasses my life as a parent. Kelly, what about yours? <laughs> So funny you should say that. Um, I don't have a quote prepared, but after this past week of a stomach bug in my house, oh my gosh, Britt's quote hits spot yeah. on. Plus, <laughs> Kelly raises pukers. Her kids throw up from the minute they're born. <laughs> but it's so different when it's throw up versus spit up because that uh, the one I can handle, the <laughs> one they grew out of usually. And I don't know. Throw up I when you're already... <laughs> who who normally is sick when their child is sick and also trying to survive themselves and then have to mm-hmm. put in their child's. Well, I was so lucky to have a mom who <laughs> thought put us first all the time, especially in the fact of teaching us how to pick up our own throw up. It's because I couldn't. I, so in this par- parenting book that you gave her, did you also highlight certain roles in it or certain jobs? It's not, I feel like okay. that would make it even better. I feel like if anyone has looked at this book, which I know Alicia knew what it was, which doesn't surprise me, but it's not about being a good mom. It's about putting yourself first is okay. That's how you're your good mom is by sometimes you have to put yourself first in order to be a good mom. That is such the pot calling the kettle black. Let me just tell you, because first of all, you make me do everything you and your sister so your brother is less needy but you and your sister whatever he is way more needy than i am we're needy in different ways that's maybe that's it however okay so we're going to be talking about parenting the throw up was a good segue because I was looking forward to finally getting to hold Kelly's baby. But then I was on um, a meeting with her and I looked down and there was throw up all over him. And so I'm like, well, another year and maybe I'll be able to hold Lucas. <laughs> right. When he doesn't want to be held anymore. Yeah. When he's done wanting to be held, then I will hold him and squeeze him. But we're going to, this airs when we are all traveling to Weba. We're so excited. Mm -hmm. We're so excited. So everyone from our company, like we've said, has just been really amped up, except for a couple people can't go. So we're bummed about that. But this is- uh, I don't think you said where we were going. Weba. Weba. Nashville. I'm assuming they're amped up for Weba, not Nashville. Getting away from their (laughs) children and and spouses. definitely to come hang out with us. Yeah. Because we're so cool. And go to Weba. 
Yeah. Uh, we are Super. cool. I may know that, but Kelly's packed her first aid kit and oatmeal. We have got a party waiting to happen. <laughs> I I know how to think. I got band-aids. I have so many band-aids. I don't even know why I have band-aids. I have like a crap ton of band-aids. Apparently, I think everyone's going to need one. So <laughs> for all of you that, okay, so I guess it's two of you for you both. So I don't have any children at home and apparently I was able to leave you all. I don't think I ever left you when you were this. Like, I can't even imagine like leaving you all as a group, the three of you, my children to go somewhere. So what has been the biggest like challenge of being a parent and getting ready for this trip? Mine has been control, which I don't think anybody (laughs) is surprised by that one. Um, Because I'm lucky enough that my husband gets to take leave. So this will be the first trip that he... I'm not sending my kiddos to their other grandparents. So he is in charge. <laughs> and so making sure that they have their swim trunks for summer camp when they need them and their towels and their, he's actually better at making lunches than I am. So that will be good, but probably control. And then that they know I'm going on a plane and they both love planes. So those are probably the two that I'm my struggle. What about you, Kelly? So the biggest struggle I think is just having my daughter who's almost three know that um, <laughs> that I'm taking her brother and not her because mm-hmm. that's been her biggest like she's like no mama Lucas stay with dada and I go with you <laughs> and so that's been really hard mm-hmm. to try and get her to understand and she thinks that um because I bought a bunch of food. So she thinks that I'm going camping and she's like, I want to go camping with you. (laughs) And so getting her to try and understand that I'm going for work and this and that has been um, probably the biggest struggle. And the second one is that we're doing back-to-back trips. And so Mm -hmm. I'm, instead of driving all the way back home, I'm just kind of doing a giant circle of the Midwestern United States (laughs) to make it a whole adventure. And so I'm driving straight from Nashville up to, um, one of the areas that we work and I, I uh, have a lot of stuff packed and we're ending it in a family wedding um, on the way back down. And so I'm packing for my <laughs> husband and my daughter also for the wedding. And so the car is loaded. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, you, I, that's probably would be rough because you're going to be gone from Maddie for a week and a half, two weeks, almost about two solid weeks. So I'm doing a different Joel. I'm going without kids to Nashville. Then I'm coming home for two days and picking up my youngest and then taking him on the work trip. And then he's going with Nissa to Iowa for the weekend. And then he's coming back up to the work trip. And then we go home. I It's going to be a hot mess. I hope we all remember like where we're supposed to be and when we're supposed to be there and how that's all going to work. And then we have to figure out who's going to be in charge of K-Now for the last two weeks in August because all three of us will go dark. <laughs> well, and I promise, I promised I would be home on the 8th of August. Like that was my, like I will be home on the 8th. Well, now I've moved it to the 9th. So... I have to leave on the 9th. And then I was just talking to Britt. I normally stay with my other daughter who needs to come on and explain herself. Um, But she has decided to move. So I don't even know if she has a house. So I'm like, I was just talking to Britt. I'm like, I don't even know where I'm staying in that halfway between Iowa and Minnesota. So I better figure that out. So I'm not sleeping in my car because I'm not young anymore. Like I can't sleep in my car. Can't. We just need to get a K-Now RV. Like we I do. Be, there we go. As much as we spend on hotel rooms, I'm sure we could do monthly yeah. RV payments. And the I have storage. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Storage. There's also places that you can just rent RVs from. And yeah. I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked at the cost of it to see if that would be cheaper than. Well, well so I you think can, we, we need can one do it through the military. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you can do it through the military. Um, but there's yeah, also no, like Airbnb for campers. Uh, if we got an RV, it would say K now all over it. You guys don't think I would make decals for that? Oh, I now can I bind my own books. In monthly. <laughs> Did you see? I can now bind my own books. Got a book binder. No. Yep. Nice. And 
I have a cricket on the way. So then I can make all the Kano shirts I want and they can say anything I need them to say. <laughs> I liked it when Kelly was the only one that ha- was controlling what was put on shirts and what was not put on shirts. So, um, okay. So this week okay. we've going to be in Weba. We're all the whole K now team is either going to survive a three day Airbnb stay all together or K now will no longer exist. We have people on our team that are doing what Kelly's doing. They're going to Nashville, then they're going other places. So everyone's going to be working from crazy spots, which is super cool about what we do is we can work wherever we want to work as long as we work. And we have people that are leaving their kids for the first time or might be leaving their spouse for the first time or doing their first big travel. To We have a lot of new, brand new conference goers. I've never been to a conference. Uh, it's just going to be super cool to find out how this all plays out. I think that's my most excited part is getting everybody to their first conference since there are so many people that haven't yeah. been before and what an experience. Yeah. You and Kelly met at her first conference. That's when you guys first met. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. In Miami. I've had a lot of people say that um, their companies don't put that emphasis on conferences or education or things like that. And I think that was the one thing the three of us decided when we first started KNOW that like that was going to be something that we really focused on because there's such great opportunities just to hear different perspectives and, and meet people that are like-minded and I don't know. I'm just, I'm really excited for it. I did finally yeah. cancel my reservation in the hotel. So I will actually be staying in the area. So you're committed? Mm-hmm. Committed to staying in the area. Yeah. I think, I, I think the conference thing is so important because it just gives you a chance to learn from other people. I know a lot of companies do like in-home CEUs or in-house CEUs and things like that. But, and we do that, but we also want our staff to bring information to us and present, which is also why I make them do homework during conference, which is probably not. I do. So the funniest thing is when we, when I was at the university, when we went to our conference, I'm like, okay, I want to know what sessions everyone's going to. Let's try to spread out. So we're not all like in mass in one session. And then we'll like talk about Mm -hmm. the sessions. They all looked at me like I was insane. They're like, what? And I'm like, this is what we did in Iowa. We always like split up and we talked about, oh, here's something that's super good. And I went to a conference one time in Omaha and one of my coworkers went to a session that completely changed the way we did things in our organization. Like, like it was such a huge impact. So I'm hoping that we are able to kind of spread out that people realize that, you know, take advantage of all the great speakers and things. So anyway, yeah. I always feel like um, I have so much more passion in our field too, after going to the conference, oh, yeah. like, like almost like rejuvenated with all uh-huh. this, like, this is how amazing our field is like, check this out. And, and so yeah, cool. this year I might be able to recognize some people in our field that after the cast from Gina Green incident. I was like, Gina Green is retiring. I'm like, oh, I yes. guess when I asked She's her. Retiring. Yes. Thank you, Gina Green, for everything that you've done with APBA. We absolutely love it. She was it. so and- sweet when I talked to her. She was so nice. So nice when I talked to her. Yes. So, um, and yeah. told you who she was because. Yeah. Well, I asked her how long she'd been in the field if she'd ever been to APBA. <laughs> Oh, good solid okay. question. Those she are new flashcards, pop quizzes. Who is this, and what are they known for? Um, speaking of pop quizzes, since this is oh. happening airing on Wednesday, don't worry, I'm not going to pop quiz you. But we are going to have our booth set up at Weba, and I, of course, have decided that we are going to do pop quizzes for um, winning some KNOW swag, some uh, conference survival kits, or a drink on us that can be used during the conference um, happy hour oh, nice. times. Yes. So there's a lot of chances. And I have some very hard ones. Um, but I will also say that my husband helped me come up with some of them. Oh, no. So, oh, my God. 
in our drive, our two hour drive to, uh, so to save money, because that's all we're I'm <laughs> trying to be frugal. I had my sister-in-law make our goodie kits. And oh, they're I had so to try cool them. though. There's they the bags are. are really cool. They're really cute. She did awesome. But I had to drive two hours to go pick them up <laughs> and two hours back home <laughs> to bring them back home. So with gas prices, we probably didn't actually save any money, but <laughs> it's okay. But on that drive, he helped come up with some really good questions. And I'll give you one sneak peek. One of his questions he came up was, when was the first Weba conference? So oh. there's your sneak for anyone who gets that card. What so he did a really good job. That? What's I'm not answer? telling you. You'll have to look it up. Well, what if I want a what if I want a free drink ticket? <sighs> I don't know if K now employees are eligible or not. I haven't decided oh. that. <laughs> I was just thinking I was like what well I was thinking like ABA questions, but I didn't even think about like Weba questions. So now oh, I Oh, there's ABA questions. Topics. There are a ton of Skinner questions in there. Um oh, and then Tasless questions. I'm- so oh well on the K now note cards. <laughs> no my card. own <laughs> they do look really cute. So I did get my someone sent me, so I've been putting off studying, right? We all know that. And so my last like hurdle, well, I have three more books to read and I haven't even started them, but my last hurdle was I don't have the new past the big ABA exam book what what's the proper name sorry it is Pass. that's what it is, is called. It? yep okay so I don't have the new one. Oh, the big ABA yep. exam study manual so that was my last hurdle I didn't have that Saturday I open up the mail and there is my book so now I have my flashcards and I'm bringing my book and that's what I'm going to work on while I'm there I feel like yeah, I'll be more like, energized it is anyway. so hard there's so many steps to order this book can you just bring me your book I'm like, no, let me just order you your The own hard book. step. Okay. And to be fair, if anyone's listening and wants to order the book, this the hard step was you had to pay through PayPal. And there's this whole big, long PayPal story saga with me and how I don't use PayPal anymore because they did me wrong. Um, but so there are- Personally, it's not she doesn't use PayPal anymore. Personally. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole thing. But the steps are not hard if you do want to order the book and- so I'm super excited. So I have the book. I have the note cards. Target now sells the note cards on the ring too Ooh, nice. in their like school section. So I bought a bunch of those. Like there's, I have my appropriate pens that I wanted. I was going to say, what kind of pens are you obsessed with now? Now? So I can remember when I was in school, there were blue paper mate erasable pens and I love them, but the ink was really spotty. Well, now, again, another shout out. I do need to be sponsored by someone. Um, now I use the I think Pilot. We have more than 10 listeners. Oh, is that it? The Pilot Friction Erasable Pens with the clicker in 0.7 in multiple colors are my new pen of choice. So Britt has to bring me those because my Target doesn't have them. It was a whole big thing. I would have had to order from Amazon. It takes a week. I mean, there was a lot of steps that have really some barriers that I'm having to work through to study for this test. That sounds like a lot of avoidance behavior, if uh, you ask me. (laughs) And then so then I left dad's iPad and Iowa. So it's never to be seen again. I'm assuming at your sister's Brit's sister's. So I'm like, I have to leave the iPad here because he has to order Jeep parts and he doesn't know how to run a computer. So I'm not going to have my iPad on the plane. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, crap, I probably could do note cards. I'm guessing. Study. Hmm. Sounds like they're, uh, you're running out of excuses to study now. I'm so stressed out about this test. We need to talk about why in this field that test is, is like it is and why like the hype to it. It's a hard test. Is it? And I'm sure it's like MCATs, right? Or whatever Kim Kardashian lawyer. Yeah. Or to be a, so in, yeah, in the psych field, you have to take an exam. You have to take an exam in every state almost for, to be licensed um, in that field. And your hours vary per state. 
um, in the psych field. So I know that the test is not probably everyone's favorite and it does not demonstrate being a competent behavior analyst in practical manners because we know some amazing um, analysts who haven't yet passed, but they are great at that Or have decided not to take it. Or have decided, or decided not to not take it. Take it because I've talked of to several. Yeah, several. But the companies. thing is, it's a standard. In, and we're yeah. trying to be rep, replicable. Replicable. I'm going to need some assistant. Yep, there you go. Um, Louisiana coming out. <laughs> in the, across the fields and, and comparative and have that structure and so I understand the importance of the exam. I do right. not believe that by passing the exam, you are ready to be a BCBA on your own. So, I think that there needs to be post-exam supervision, which is why we added the year. But I think that there needs to be a number of hours after the exam. So what is, this is a good segue that we did all on our own. I'm so proud of us. But what is Teaching My Mother ABA going to move into in the following episodes. So we're going to move a little bit away from just the task list items and into more of the applicable component of being a behavior analyst, because in the supervision program that Kelly and I created, we're really focused on life after the exam. So there, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons I, we have great shout out to the past the big ABA, but um, that we partnered with them is because there's so many of those resources to help you study. And yes, Mm -hmm. we go through the task list like we're supposed to, and we help you study, but we're really focused on the application of the exam, Um, which I think is interesting as we have some who are uh, struggling to pass the exam, but are able to apply concepts because they're thinking in more practical manner than in, Mm -hmm technical manner. And I think for the test, you have to think more technical. And then in the field, you have to think more practical, practical and practical and applicable. Yeah. So we're moving more towards that life after the exam, because, and again, in our supervision, we have some great resources and pass the big exam. Like we know that there's no reason we would ever recreate that wheel. Like that's not our thing. However, our thing is making and cre- making resources to create really good behavior analysts. I think that is kind of after what the, our, yeah. And it, yeah. And it can be after the anytime you're applying it too. So we do focus mm-hmm. like our tagline is that life after the exam. But if you don't choose to take it, or if you're a teacher, or um, right in that field and just want to apply those components because I just sat down with one of our supervisees, uh, director of SPED. Um, She's in the school and she's a new supervisee. So we had to talk about how we're going to get her observations in the school and how we're going to uh, give her that supervision. And it, it was interesting because the director had already worked with a behavior analyst before and didn't understand how we could naturally or incidentally implement ABA in the classroom. Like she was strictly thinking DTT and doing DTT for 2000 hours. And I think that's the thing we go through is um, (laughs) we're focusing a lot on net in this next kind of wave of trainings that we're doing with some centers that we're working with, because I think that's where everything just starts to get really convoluted. And when we talk about caregivers too, as we move through this caregiver support, what we do does not look like what people expect it to look like, I think. Yeah. No. And so how can we have that conversation and how can we make sure that our behavior analysts that are coming up and not just ours, like in our company, but in this field, this new batch of COVID BCBAs or behavior analysts that haven't had that hands-on approach because of barriers that they've faced trying to get their hours in in settings and things like that, um, or in companies that don't 
provide that. And so I think that's going to be the biggest focus that we can do and the best thing we can do for our, our new crop. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you all know when COVID happened, how irritated I was that everyone was looking for a curriculum. Like, how do we implement these curriculums now with telehealth? How does, how are we going to use a curriculum? How are we going to do all of these? And how are we going to get the child to sit at the computer for an hour? And I think the new wave of ABA or how we really focus on that compassionate ABA is not sitting still. It's in I think that leads us into our caregiver training because really working with the caregivers and letting them know that it's not just a stagnant time. Like we're not just sitting still for a long period of time and teaching them. Yes, we can work at sitting on sitting at the table, but um, I've been doing more research on the incidental teaching and that plays into the man training that I've been working on with everyone for the last six years and um, helping parents learn that they can use the three-term contingency or even four-term contingency in everyday life. And I think I was a little bit spoiled in the fact that a mom growing up, we were always learning. Everything was a learning experience. (laughs) Like we were always learning to do something. And that's what that incidental and net teaching is is creating that learning opportunity as a parent too. So now it's time. We've talked about it. Let's go to class and learn something. So we're focusing on caregiver support and ABA. This is so important to me, so important to all of us as we are all um, caregivers in some way, whether it's with my sweet angel grandchild or (laughs) with you all with your kids. But let's talk about our approach and why caregiver support is so important. And let me just preface this with saying that I approach caregiving or caregiver support in the fact that I was a mom who, if you told me something about how I should handle my kids, I was over it. Like, I'm like, no, thank you. I know my child. This is what I'm going to do. So that's how I approach caregiver support. How do you two approach caregiver support? Okay. So first, before I let Kelly talk, but um, (laughs) I want to break down our support. So notice how we don't use the term parent training because one, we know that a caregiver can be more than a mom or a dad. It can be anyone who's really taking care of that child. It can even be an older sibling who's helping to take care or a younger sibling. So we have our approach is um, three-tiered, just like our engaged model practice. Our caregiver support includes caregiver meetings, caregiver trainings, and caregiver coaching. So during our caregiver meetings is when we're sitting down, getting to talk with the parents, um, talk about goals, really pair with them and see what they want for their child. Um, While we're in the progress, it's getting those updates and actually sitting down, um, seeing what they think is working, what isn't working. The training is we do utilize um, both TIP and BST, so two different um, training methods that we we allow our behavior analysts to choose which ones they're going to really um, utilize. And then the coaching is the parents or their caregivers are actually implementing what we have now talked about, what we have now trained, and now they're implementing it. And we're giving that active feedback either during or after. So I think of, I my analogy for it is always sports because I grew up doing sports. So it's like you do your team meetings, then you have your practice where you're training, and then you have your games which is when you're coaching. Um, So that's our approach to the caregiver support. Um, And another shout out for Weba. If you stop by our booth, you'll get to see our work in progress caregiver workbook that we're going to be selling live. So we're doing pre-orders and they will ship on September 1st. Um, But it encompasses that approach and being culturally responsive in our caregiver support. So I was just going to jump in. You covered a lot of 
of everything, but I want to put an emphasis on that, that caregiver meeting, that initial first interview meeting that you do with them. Um, we like to do that motivational interviewing approach to it because we need it to figure out what is important to the, the caregiver. What are they saying? That's the issues that they see. What is, do they need worked on? And by having those open-ended questions, those open, that open conversation, we're able to really draw out what they what they're saying because what they are complaining about or as the issue might not actually be the true issue. It might just be that the behavior that they're engaging in that leads to the issue, but it might not be that cause. And so by asking them a lot of open-ended questions, we're able to really get, get to what is their concern and what is their issue. And then we're able to talk to them and be like, okay, so it sounds like your child's doing X, Y, Z. Um, is this something that you, you would like us to target about? target? Is this something you like training on? And then working together because if they're not ready to receive training or um, work together on it, then you putting together training on it's not going to be worth your time. So really just having those conversations, presenting it to them and making sure that they're ready to move to that next step of that, um, the training and then the coaching. Oh, I was just going to say when we have those meetings and we have those open-ended questions, we know as behavior analysts, we have to balance the social validity of goals. But we, one thing we do is we do ask parents, what are your top three things that you wish could happen or you could want to work on? And let's say one of them is simply saying, ma'am or sir. Um, on the social validity scale, it's not that high up, but if you weigh it with parent buy-in, it moves it up the scale. So if we can simply teach ma'am and sir, and then the parents will get on board with any other goal, we're going to teach ma'am and sir because it impacts the client's programming. Right. And um, I, my whole kind of philosophy is it's a partnership. Like you talked about, mm -hmm. we as behavior analysts have the expertise we have the research we have the the ways that we can you know increase the behaviors that they want to increase decrease the behaviors they don't but it again if we don't have that buy-in we mm -hmm. it, it will never in the clinic those the children might do what they're supposed to do in what we're expecting from them but if the parents are like i that means nothing to me. I don't care. I, I, I'm doing my own deal. Then it will never be effective. And like I said, as a parent, someone coming in and telling me this is what you need to do would have never worked. So I do feel like the approach, even though, you know, we have all the tools to, to do yeah. these things has to be soft and gentle in the way we do things. And Britt <laughs> gave me the best advice. Okay. This, I, okay. And she is not soft in a no, lot of things. But I had a parent who wanted their child to write, um, to, to write the alphabet, I think was oh, alphabet yeah. or name or something. And the child, I did the first, like I did an intake and I was watching them and the child had so many other things that needed to, to, to be worked on before we could write the alphabet. And, um, I, t I was talking to you afterwards and I said, um, I, I told mom, you know, that we probably, we probably wouldn't be able to do the alphabet or so I can't remember what you said. And you're like, you never tell a parent that we can't work on a goal. You, you can. And I said, well, I didn't tell them I couldn't work on it, but is how you phrase it. So having those conversations with, oh, well, we're going to work on, um, sitting at the table for two seconds, <laughs> which will start the progression or holding a pencil. Kelly's another one. We had a client that it was, um, pencil grip. So we're going to work on pencil grip We're but then telling the parents that this is all working towards the alphabet or writing mm -hmm. their name. And so I think that was the best help I got in how I have those conversations where I'm not saying we're not going to write our, his name right now. We're not working on that goal. Instead saying we are working on that goal. Here are the steps that are going to get us to that goal. And, yeah. and having that partnership with the parents. Yeah, okay. I think that's important too with the uh, quote unquote annoying behaviors. Because mm -hmm. again, on that social validity square scale, not square, social validity scale, you have to, we're not targeting annoying behaviors to other people unless it's interfering with their learning or their actual 
um, life. But I've had a parent who the STEM was a hum. And mm-hmm. we all know as parents, sometimes we just need quiet time. Like we just <laughs> need it to be quiet. So instead of specifically having that goal to decrease the hum, we thought of different locations that they could hum in, different Mm -hmm. things that they could do that would create that same sensation in the mouth instead of saying, okay, yes, we're going to decrease this behavior. But again, we all have a stem that usually irritates someone. I shake my leg and it drives. Oh my, my God. How many times have I had to stop you from shaking your, we've been in yes. meetings and I'll reach over and grab her leg and hold it still. <laughs> so, and I shake mine too. So, I mean. Yeah. So making sure that we are still having that parent buy-in because again, that is key. And if you ever listen to any of Bailey's talks, um, especially with ethics, he talks about kind of a a matrix. This has been a few years ago that I went to this presentation, but I absolutely loved it. He talks about a matrix and on that matrix, it is access to service. So yes, it's an annoying behavior. No, it's not necessarily socially valid to decrease the behavior. However, not targeting this behavior will decrease access to services. So that moves it up as more important on that, that matrix. So I think that when we're looking at caregivers is key. And when the workbook we're creating is actually for analysts to use to prep and to walk through their caregiver training. So we talk about self-assessment because I would say, as I've been a BT, because it was before RBT, as I was a BT um, coming into being a new supervisor, I don't think I don't think, I know I didn't have enough training on those caregiver meetings. And I came in as a 20-something-year-old with no kids and didn't understand why parents can't follow through with a potty training protocol. Like, I don't understand why you can't just do these steps. And then I became a parent, and now I understand why you can't just do this. I remember having a conversation with you in the bathroom while Kath was like, not, and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to call every parent that I worked with. Apologize. Yeah. For being, yeah. And that's what the caregiver book will do. It starts before the actual meeting. It, it starts with that self-evaluation and that self-assessment, and then it moves into the planning stage and then, um, planning for any barriers and then the actual application using our engaged model practice structure. Um, so it's actually for the practitioner, not for the parent at this point, but Kelly. Yeah. What has been some of your um, things that have really helped you have those successful relationships with your caregivers? Oh, that's a big question. Um, One of the biggest (laughs) things that I've found helpful is taking time to pair with a caregiver um, prior to anything, because if you don't, if you don't establish that report, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a very open, um, professional relationship that you're able to establish with them because you want to be able to have them feel comfortable to tell you these things to be able to help work with them. And it takes time to, to get that and having good questions and that delivery of that information. So like talking about this caregiver manual that, um, that we have available, it's helpful because it gives you an idea of the questions and it gives you a great idea of how to phrase the questions to be able to really Mm -hmm. help you get the information needed so you can build that relationship while you're also interviewing them. And all of that just helps build that foundation as you're trying to move forward in those steps to um, start the training and help make um, changes in their household or build skills for the clients. And I think another really good example of learning after the exam is with caregiver training and caregiver support because we have another BCBA on the team who when she first started in the field and first started as a an intern and then a BCBA, if you've ever seen the meme of somebody crying and then being patted on the back with a, <laughs> a broom, with a broom, yes, she uh, sent me that meme once because the caregiver had was military. Dad had just deployed. Uh, She had a three-month-old baby 
and she had a two-year-old on the spectrum and they were trying to do caregiver training with her and she just started like crying and our BCBA had no idea what to do because they don't deal with those emotions. But the mm-hmm. other week, she was able to now spend five years. Um, and I'm sure she learned this before the five years. But she was able to talk one of our new BCBAs through a exact same situation. Mm-hmm. And her soft skills had just increased so much since, since that. Well, and that. you don't have to have a you know, a family or, um, we talked about empathy and sympathy and apathy last time. Um, but a lot of times I've been in those positions. I don't have children that are diagnosed on the spectrum, but probably maybe are, but, uh, sometimes as a behavior analyst is just listening, just listening. Like that's all those caregivers need. They just need someone's going to listen. And so my advice always is just listen and don't come up with all those solutions because we know in our minds we've been working with the child. We've we've been if we're in home or at whatever, we've seen interactions. We can probably in our head come up with a ton of programming that could help combat any of these issues. And sometimes that we just need to know timing. Timing is so, so important. Mom's crying on the floor, probably not going to be the best time to be like, Hey, I have a great thing that you could implement that would really change your life. Mm, mm, Changing my life right now would just be able to be able to get up off the floor and stop crying. That will be changing my life right now. So as a, a behavior analyst, we have to work on knowing when to say things, what to say, how to say them, and what we should do. Yeah. And I think it's a balance. Um, mm-hmm. Kelly is really good at caregiver support because I think she has more feelings than I do, of course. But <laughs> she's really good on checking on people. Um, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at it. However, just saying like, how are you doing? Or let's do a quick check-in just to see how you're feeling. And so I think that makes her a really good caregiver trainer or support. Yeah. And checking in and then really actually caring about. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of that, I mean, to combine this back with what we're talking about, the new, um, new BCBAs right out of passing their exam, I feel like some of the, some of it comes with that experience in the field too, because when you first pass your exam, you are so overwhelmed with all this newfound responsibility that really taking the time to kind of help develop the skills and take a deep breath or have somebody help you see like, Oh, Hey, maybe, maybe I can approach this this way. And that might help make this better. Um, and having people to coach you and talk you through what you're about to go into for parent meetings is also a great way to help prepare you to make a successful meeting. Well, and I think about, (laughs) I mean, my career has obviously not always been ABA, but I think about like the first time I walked into a situation that I was totally like in my head, I knew textbook wise what it should look like. Right. Mm -hmm. I knew what all the things I should say. And um, it was a volunteer position and it was mentoring (laughs) mentoring, um, teenage girls who were, had gotten pregnant and all this other stuff. And I walked into the house and I was just simply there as like her support. And I'll never forget just the panic. I felt that I, I didn't, I wasn't, I'd read the manual, I'd done the training, but then in the real life situation, luckily I was older and I was able to kick in like what, Oh, here's what I should do. But if you don't have that life experience, how do you, when you're in, put in a situation, how do you have that kick in? <laughs> so I think that's why it's so important to try to develop those things. And a lot of things we can't teach, obviously, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys went through things that you you never would have been able to be taught. You just have to think on your feet. Yeah. Critical you things have control. to step in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and we always joke, even Brett, I'm going to throw you under the bus for this one. But we joke about the, the BCBA that you are now versus the BCB that you were when you passed your exam. Oh my gosh, two different people. And the the approach and the soft skills that you have are just so different than what they were before. 
I was just going to say, add to this, um, working with foster families. So we have had a few opportunities um, and some coming up to really help teach. It's almost train the trainer style, but teach um, those who are DHS workers or um, state workers how to help families who are fostering kids on the spectrum or with behavioral issues. And we're hoping to do more work on that. But when you're a foster parent and you can go through training and say, okay, I'm ready. I'm equipped to have someone who has autism in the severe autism in the home. But as we know, everyone is different. So, and it's a different approach with foster parents or foster caregivers than it is with well because it's not long term like our yeah like the things that they're working on can we can have long-term goals that hopefully will move from foster family to foster family but the odds of that happening are very slim so it's more short term how you know especially if they're respite care we have a lot of respite care foster families just because there are not foster Mm -hmm. placements for a lot of kids that do have these issues um, whether it's autism spectrum or de- yep. developmental disabilities or just strictly behavioral. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of opportunities that we can go outside of where we've lived in that test. So the transition from, I need to pass this test to do all the things I think is the hardest part. Yeah. And say, Britt, how long do you feel like from when you passed the exam, it took you to feel comfortable because I called you out already for how much you've changed. And I was trying to think about like how long it had been working with you to have seen the change. And I know me, but I wanted to know your answer for how long you felt that shift of like, okay, like I feel like I've developed a much better approach now versus when I first entered the field or first passed my exam. Um, I would probably say there was a slight shift after that leave of absence that I took and then which I wasn't a BCBA yet, but it was a slight shift there um, because how we used to be structured, I was able to be a supervisor without being a BCBA. So I still did parent meetings. Um, and then I think my biggest structure or my biggest switch would have been when Cash was about 18 months old and I p- started panicking because he wasn't saying his words. Uh, so then as a parent, <laughs> I pulled out my VB map and started doing my assessment there and realized how hard it was to be 24 seven and trying to work on a goal. Um, And of course I had set the goals myself and I wasn't working as a client with my kids. So I wasn't violating any ethical components. I was just being a parent just to throw that out. So nobody reports me. Um, But that was probably my other shift was when cash was, and Cash is now how old? He's six, I think. Oh my gosh, yes, he's six and a half. I'm I'm sorry, but that would be another shift. And then my my last shift would be working with our new our new clientele. We work with a lot of East African clients, and the language barrier and their values are a little bit different than the Western culture. So that would be I probably have had three shifts in my my empathy. What about right? you, Kelly? Yeah. What about you, Kelly? Uh, I would say, so I think I, I had two good shifts that I can really think about. And that first one was really just establishing my confidence. And that was about that year, um, year and a half mark after passing my exam. Because I feel like there's just so much to take in, in the understanding mm-hmm. of trying to build the programming and also mm-hmm. take into account the caregiver's um, wishes. And that was my first shift. And then I would say also this, my second big shift is um, working with a very culturally diverse community because we are like, and I don't want to say every, there's so many different cultures and so many different sense of cultures that you can work with. And I've been raised in the military community. So I'm very familiar with the culture of the military community and standards and things like that. But working, working with other cultures, like that is completely different. different than what I am used to. Um, it has been such a really good shift to make me look at things completely different, um, completely outside of it. And, um, parents aren't using a communication device at home. Why aren't they using it? Well, English is not their native language at home. And so why are they using a communication device in English that 
I mean, takes you a whole step or two back to be like, okay, so we need to figure something out that is going to work and that will help them in the home setting. And um, that's just, it's made me really rethink a lot about how to approach all, all the different families. It will be interesting to see how my progression works since I have been in many different fields and I'm a later in life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's growing. I don't think that this is exactly how I'm going to be for the next, for the rest of my life as a caregiver support person. You shouldn't. Yeah. I think there's going to be that growth that happens. Well, Britt. All right. I also, oh my goodness. I had an announcement to have at the end of this. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Oh, first of all, for all of our listeners, this is more of, you know, sometimes we forget that we have this power of the word in what we (laughs) say and do. And so we have, we've had some discussions about one of our, our beloved employees, Katie and her driving. Oh yeah. Yeah, And let me just say, Britt and I have talked and we would, we would ride with Katie. Yeah. Katie is an amazing driver for anyone who is listening. That this affects. Yep. (laughs) She's a competent (laughs) behavior analyst. She's a competent driver. (laughs) I think she's a really good marksman, markswoman too. So we definitely want to maybe keep that in mind. Um, she has a lot of land available to her, which my husband is excited about. So Katie, I think we all know we would, we would trust driving with her just yes, as a, a public service. Absolutely. Right. That's our public Ke- service. Kelly's a whole nother story, but Katie, yes. She loves me, love me, love me, love me, love. She loves me like nobody else. All right. So that wraps it up for another episode of teaching my mother ABA. So make sure to head over to our Facebook and Instagram at knowledge.now.solutions and check out all the events we have going on. Thank you to K Now Behavioral Solutions and to Kelly, which I don't think we ever even introduced Kelly at the beginning, but thanks for Kelly for being on with us and sticking with us and driving all the supplies that we need to Weba. Of course, anytime. <laughs> and make sure you visit us at Weba. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. Definitely. We're so excited. Yes. And go to our Facebook page. We have the workbook up for pre-order. And remember, it's all fun and games until you have to teach your mother ABA.